0: The tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set, and the teams are ready to take the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with its largest free college basketball survival pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes are up for grabs. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survival pool, you can get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they win, you survive in advance of the next round. The last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a safe and secure app, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all of this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter code THPN during sign up and enter the free $1 million survival pool. Again, that is code THPN to enter into DraftKings' free $1 million survival pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is Getting Bullied. I'm your host, Mark Giannone. Follow me on Twitter at MarkFlagman2ns. Follow this show at underscore Getting Bullied, and get this and every episode of Getting Bullied through the Hockey Podcast Network. They're at Hockey Pod on Twitter. Very excited today because this is. The episode called Getting Bullied Remembers the Spectrum. We did one before and it was looking back to the Flyers' first Stanley Cup win. Uh, We had a guest, Bob, the Hound Kelly. That time around today, I'm going back in time to January 11th, 1976. That is the day the Flyers beat the Soviet Red Army team, which was widely considered in 1976, and really not even just the 70s, most of the 70s and the 80s, the Soviet Red Army team was considered the best team in hockey. They had the best player in hockey, and probably the best goaltender in hockey as well. If you go back and look at that roster head to toe, it was just stacked uh, with, with just great, great talent, and So basically, in 76, it was set up as, they called it the Super Series 76, where two teams from the Soviet Union, the Soviet Red Army team, and the Soviet Wings came over to play eight of the NHL's top teams. Each team from Russia played their own group of four teams, and the Flyers were in the group uh, with the Rangers, the Bruins, the, the Canadians, and of course themselves taking on the better of the two Russian teams. And who better? to talk about this game than a former Flyers great that I am joined by today, a two-time Stanley Cup winner. He played with his brother with the Flyers and actually was his agent for his brother's first contract, which is kind of a fun fun way to go about things. And of course, in this game, he scored a shorthanded goal to put the Flyers up 3-0. I'm joined today by a Flyers lifer, an original Flyer, and recently retired Joe Watson. Joe, how are you? Well,
1: I'm fine. I'm sitting out in my back deck over here in Media, Pennsylvania, and enjoying the fresh air and uh, and good uh, could, things couldn't be better. I wish the Flyers were winning, but you know, uh, uh, hopefully, they will get it straightened away here soon. They have to get it straightened away very soon because there's only fifty-six games, and everybody is going to be so nip and tuck throughout to make the playoffs for all the teams, uh, especially the top five teams in the, in the division there. So Flyers got to get their act together very soon or they're going to miss the playoffs, which would not be good.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a, it seems to be the consensus right now with the fans as well. And that's why I kind of like to do these episodes where I uh, revisit kind of past games and, you know, go back to the glory days a little bit when times were a little bit better and the fans were a little bit higher on the team. So, um, I thought, what better game to kind of go back to than to talk about when uh, the Flyers played the Soviet Red Army from 1976. But before we get into that, I kind of wanted to talk to you about uh, kind of like your whole career, because I know it was announced recently that, you know, you just kind of you, you decided to retire and enjoy your life, enjoy your family and everything like that. And, you know, you were. You were really a kind of a lifelong flyer I mean you joined the you were an original flyer you joined them in nineteen sixty seven at the expansion draft after only a season in Boston and in those days, you know news didn't travel as fast as it does today. obviously, there was no internet and That's true. <laughs> And there was no, you know, there wasn't any of these primetime draft specials or anything like that. So, you know, kind of to kick us off, how did you find out all those years ago that you were drafted to the Flyers? And going from kind of a hockey powerhouse that is Boston to Philadelphia, what were your initial thoughts there? Well, disappointment.
1: Lots of disappointment. You know, in the summertime, you know, when you play in the national hockey in those days, you know, I I made $7,500 my first year in Boston nineteen sixty six, so invariably you have to find a summer job to do something. So I was doing flagging I was flagging traffic for the British Columbia government uh, on a on a site that we were doing construction on and uh guy comes by about ten after seven. I just heard your name in radio. I said, Oh yeah, what you hear? He says, You got picked up by the Philadelphia Flyers I, says, <laughs> 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 I thought he was kidding me initially but he wasn't and uh and when I found out I became a flyer I didn't know anything about Philadelphia. The only thing I knew about Philadelphia at that time was when Johnny Callison hit a home run, I think, in the in the All Star game in nineteen sixty four or sixty five. I remember watching that game and I said, Oh, okay And that's the only thing I remember or knew about Philadelphia at the time and uh and there was a lot of disappointment initially, but it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me coming to Philadelphia and, and, uh, you know, I've been here 54 years with the organization until three weeks ago. And uh, uh, with the exception of well, I was three months in Colorado where I broke my leg very badly and had to retire. But other than that, I've been a flyer through and through and throughout for uh, 54 years in the organization as a player and part of management
0: and selling advertising. Right. Yeah, it's always amazing to me kind of the the athletes that come to Philadelphia and just stay forever. You know, they, they have families here. They dig their roots here and they end up never leaving. And you know, it's, it's the flyers and it's really all the sports teams. So it's really great to see. So after, you know, you were, you were with a the team there five years. And then in 1972, the flyers draft a kid uh, by the name of Jim Watson, who is coincidentally your brother with a 39th overall pick. So, when they decide that you know they're looking at him and they're thinking about taking him, did the team discuss with you at all? You know, prior to picking him up in the draft, and you know, ch- just kind of talk to the people about what it was like to play with your brother in the National Hockey League and win two Stanley Cups and have all those great seasons in, in, with the Flyers.
1: Well, first of all, they they never made me aware that they were thinking of drafting my brother. I, I, maybe they didn't think he'd be available when he was available. I guess they decided to draft him, which was nice. Um, and I represented him. I was his agent. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> oh my god! It was funny. Keith Allen told me. He says, uh, "Joe, we uh, we we drafted your brother, and I understand you're going to be his agent." I says, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to his agent." So in a way, I, I make a deal with Keith for my brother. At that time, I was making thirty-seven. I think I was making thirty-seven thousand dollars a year. That was nineteen seventy-two. Wow. and. So I negotiated his contract and I I ended up, he ended up making more money than I did his first year in the National League. Of course, my contract was up after that, so I I negotiated a bigger contract. But initially, he made more money than I (laughs) did. And I had been in the league six years. I had five with the Flyers and one with Boston, you know. But anyway, it turned out to be good and uh, really great. And uh, I had an opportunity to play with my brother because we did a lot of training together when I went back home to my hometown in the summertime. Even though he was 10 years younger than I, we used to do a lot of bike riding and climbing mountains wow. uh, to build up endurance and strengthen our legs and so on and so for, for balance and that. And uh, so it worked out well. But, uh you know, to to have an opportunity to play with your brother and win a Stanley Cup on top of that, we were the fourth brother combination ever to win a Stanley Cup in 1974. Wow. And you know, there was a couple of brothers that played, I think, for the Rangers in the 40s. The Cooks and the Smiths or something like that. And of course the Richards from Montreal who went on to win numerous Stanley Cups. But, uh, uh, it was very gratifying for, them. I think, my brother too that we had a chance to play together. I know my parents were all excited. The little town of Smithers, British Columbia, where we're from. They were obviously excited too. And, uh, and, uh, so it worked out well for myself. And, uh, unfortunate thing is, you know, uh, in hockey, uh, things don't last forever. and... I got, I got traded to Colorado and I was, uh, there were 16 games and I broke my right leg and, and, and it shattered a number of places and ended my career. But, um, it's been a, a, you know, a great experience. We still live here today. My brother lives here and, uh, and, and I do. And, uh, we have 14 or 15 players from our Stanley Cup team that still live in the area. So, so it says a lot about the area and how the areas has, has, has treated us very
0: well and, uh, I must say, I enjoy it here. The thing I don't enjoy
1: is a, a sweltering heat in the summertime when it's so
0: bloody humid. Yeah, I That's gotta agree with me. you on that. This this winter's yeah. been pretty great, the snow and everything, I love it. I, I can't really yeah. do, I can't do the humidity. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we fast forward now to uh, kind of the, the the time frame that we're really here to talk about, and that was, you know, the year's 1976 and... I guess it was, I don't know really who had the idea, but they called it Super Series 76. And it was a concept that brought over two teams from Russia. It was the uh, the Soviet Red Army team, which was widely considered to be the greatest team assembled in hockey in the world. And then you had the uh, the Soviet Wings that came over as well. They were to play eight teams each. Uh, between the two, there was, they were to play eight teams in the NHL. Uh, the Wings played... Uh, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and the Islanders, and the Red Army team obviously played the Rangers, the Canadians, the Bruins, and the Flyers. So really, they're playing the best of the best in the league, and uh, the, the Soviet Wings end up losing a game to Buffalo pretty bad, but the Red Army team, which we said was kind of the best team going in hockey in the world at the time, is kind of walking through everybody. They end up tying with Montreal three three, but they beat up bad on the Rangers seventy three. They beat up bad on the Bruins five to two, and then you guys are last on the on the schedule. And the date is January eleventh, nineteen seventy six. So I guess to start it off, after you see what they did to the other top teams of the league, and again they tied with Montreal, who went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. But the Bruins in the in the uh, you know were always in the conversation for the cup. So after you see what they did to kind of the top teams in the league, and you realize you're next. What's kind of the feeling, you know, around the locker room amongst the guys, knowing that, you know, we have we have to be we're the last hope here to kind of stand up for the league and and stop this from happening. Yeah, that's absolutely right, uh, Mark. Uh, before the game, we
1: played a Thursday night game in Toronto. We beat Toronto, and this is the only time that I heard people say positive things about our team was in Toronto, and they say, "Listen." You guys have to uphold the prestige of hockey in North America. You have to beat the Russians. And I remember walking to the bus after the game on Thursday night and uh and uh people were wishing us good luck on anything else and so on and so forth. So uh but anyway, uh the game the game they played they played in Montreal and a tied three all on a Friday night. So Saturday afternoon we have a banquet. We have a banquet a practice and a banquet in the old uh the Welsh or in the, the Spectrum, mm-hmm. the Blue Line Club, and they're introducing, introducing uh, all the Russian players, they're getting light applauses, and, uh, and then they start introducing the Flyers, and the Russians weren't paying much attention, I don't think, initially, but so they come to number eight, <laughs> Dave <laughs> Schultz, and all of a sudden it caught there. You could see all of a sudden their ears perked up, and uh, and they start paying attention, and they were looking around. <laughs> and then we knew that they were, uh, they, they were, they were a little worried about this situation, and uh, so went away. The next day, uh, Clarence Campbell comes into the dressing room before the game. Alan Eagleson, who's a player association, Campbell was the president of the league at the time. Alan Eagleson, he was a player association president. Mr. Snyder and Lloyd Gilmore comes in. Lloyd Gilmore is a referee, and I've known Lloyd a long time because he's from Nanaimo, British Columbia. And so in a way, Lloyd comes in and, and uh, says, boys, we're going to let you play your game. Nice. <laughs> so in a way, they, you know, they come in and tell us and everything else. So Ferdy defies the system. This is the way we're going to beat the Russians. And uh, he wanted the defense to stand up at center ice and the wingers fall back and, and uh, behind the, the defenseman to pick up any loose pucks and then. If we did pick some loose pucks, we'd be going the other way, and the Russians be standing coming at us. We'd be going the other way, and we just took over the game, and and uh, we were going at them as if, as if they were standing still, and and it, we 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 outplayed them badly, and we should have beat them ten to one if
2: Trejack hadn't played
1: right. played uh, played incredible because he stopped 49, 49 shots. They only had thirteen. Right. And a lot of people, a lot of people think that Bernie was our goalie at the time. He wasn't our goalie. Bernie didn't want to let the Russians. He said, "I'm not letting any commies shoot at me." So the Flyers <laughs> decided to send him to uh, for a holiday down to the Virgin down one of the islands. I don't know in the Caribbean someplace. And a lot of our guys were upset because why the hell do we have to face him if he isn't facing? Right. And it kind of irritated some of the guys. So we went out there and we handled them. We really handled them well, and uh, we played strong defense. And uh, and it was very gratifying for all of us and all of Canada. I remember we got letters from Australia, New Zealand, Japan, congratulating us on beating the Russians. And I never realized what kind of an impact it had in hockey throughout the world not only not only in America, North America, but the world. And uh, and I felt bad for the Russians. But after the game, I come out of the, I come out of the dressing room with a little flyer hat on. And this Russian player comes up with his hat on. He had a he had a Russian Cossack hat.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: he comes to me and he starts pointing at my hat, my hat, hat, hat. I said, you want my hat? Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll make an exchange. You can have my hat. You give me your hat. So I got a Russian Cossack hat. that probably cost $200. And I gave him a, a $4 hat that he got. That, that he got. But anyway, uh, three years ago, Mark, we were in uh, Russia. We went to Russia, we played in uh, Kazakhstan, Kazan, St. Petersburg, and Russia, and Red Square in Moscow, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I was interviewed a lot. The reason being is I was the only player who played that those games over there in Russia three years ago, and, uh, the people still remember what the Flyers did to the Soviet Red Army time, uh, uh hockey team in 1976. I got interviewed so many, by so many people, and, <clears throat> and uh, I looked at the people that were doing the interviews. I said, "Listen, you're not even 30 years old—25, 30 years old. Oh no, Mr. Watson. it's ingrained in our society what you did to how you how you dismantle our Soviet Red team. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't think us did. So it certainly made an impact on uh, their their Russian program, and I think it made an impact in hockey in North America too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um." So you mentioned Clarence Campbell in the locker room before the game, and for the people that don't know, you know, the way the Flyers are playing hockey back then, Clarence Campbell, who I, was president or commissioner of the league at the time, you know, wasn't the biggest fan of the Flyers, you know, just kind of the game plan was simple. Go out there and out your out muscle the opponent, but also you guys had the speed and skill with guys like McLeish and Reggie Leach and Barber and Clark and, you know, the names go on and on. So Clarence Campbell wasn't the biggest fan of the Flyers at the time, so then he walks into the locker room before the game to kind of give, I guess, some sort of pep talk. You know, are the guys just kind of like, is it one ear and out the other with this guy, and you're just, you know, we're going to go out there and do what we do, and well, we don't need you in here, you know, kind of messing things up? Well, you know, you're absolutely right, because I remember saying
1: specifically, I, was, Listen, I don't know why you're in your lyrics, you don't like us, you're you, you you're very anti-Flyers uh, you, uh, didn't want to present us a trophy <clears throat> when we won the two Stanley Cups we won and uh, hopefully a third one that year. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? He's the president of the league and, right. and, and Alan Eagleson's there and, and Mr. Snyder's there. And Out of, dis- out of disrespect for Mr. Snyder, obviously, mm-hmm. we couldn't really say a lot to him, even though he didn't like us. He never liked us. And, uh, and it kind of irritated us, but you know what? I was always taught, whoever scores the most wins. Right. And uh, I said, I said to our guys before they game, I said, boys, anybody can lose, but not anybody can win. It takes a special breed to win, and that's why we're going to win here. And, uh, you know, we handled them very well. And like I said, you know, if Kreczak hadn't have played, played well in that, in that game, we would have beat them very badly. We would have, we would have embarrassed them. And they were embarrassed enough. Uh, Especially when they walked off the ice, too, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were, they were. I think they were somewhat embarrassed. But Mr. Snyder told them that if they didn't come back and play the game, they're not going to get their two hundred thousand rubles they had coming to them. <laughs> so obviously they they proceeded to come back, and we kind of took it to them,
0: right? <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. You know, I watched. I went back and I watched the game last night, and I watched. Oh, did you? oh yeah, I, good deal. yeah. I have. Well, okay. I have. I have the uh, the ten game greatest flyer games box oh, set. Yeah. Okay.
2: Oh, good.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to yeah, kind of. Sure. Yeah. So I yeah. thought. Uh, so I went back. I watched that. I watched a couple of you know documentaries on the Flyers and and some stuff on this game. And I I saw a quote from Fred Shiro that he said before the game that I'd never heard before. And you know, keep in mind, this is a guy that at this point has just won back to back Stanley Cups and you know, before the game, he said, as far as this game is concerned, I think it'll be the highlight of my life. If we win, I'm going to be sky high. And if we lose, I think it'll be worse than dying. So, I mean, this was supposed to be, you know, an exhibition game by all accounts. I mean, that's what it was billed as, you know, kind of a, you know, just two teams getting together, playing, playing a hockey game. But it obviously was much more than that, especially in this final game and seeing what they did to the other NHL teams. I mean, this was by all accounts a playoff game for you guys was it not
1: it it certainly was i mean uh you know we had a we we felt that we had to uphold the prestige of hockey in america north america, and we had to win this game to make it you know make it look the national we didn't want the national league to lose lose respect for itself uh in the hockey world. so it meant a lot to us obviously it meant a lot to the league. But personally, it meant a lot to us personally because I mean they were supposed to be the best team in Europe and we were the best team in North America at the time. So came down to a one-game series and let's put put everything on the, on the on the line here and see who uh, comes out successful. And uh, and and Freddie, I never saw Freddie so happy and so excited when we beat them. 4 won. Yeah, <laughs> he was so elated and everything else. And of course, I scored a goal in that game and Freddie came in. And give us a speech and all this stuff, and and uh, he says, "Joel, by scoring that short-handed goal, you're going to set the Russian program back twenty five years." And you know the day, I don't know if they still recover from the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh boy, yeah. So, I mean, <sighs> your guy's game plan was pretty simple, just. And in watching the game, it's 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 imminent from as soon as the pucks drop. It's basically, we're going to build a wall at the red line and not chase yeah. the puck, but let them come to us and really disrupt everything they did. And you guys were aggressive. You were throwing them around. And then I guess you could call it maybe the hit heard around the world when Ed Van Ip comes out of the penalty box, skates across the ice and just absolutely lays out uh, Valeri Karlamov, and he's laying on the ice for a good, you know, a couple minutes, and the Russian, the Russian bench is freaking out. They want a penalty, and the penalty comes, but it's actually on them. The refs call a delay a game because of the fuss they're making. So they leave the ice, and in in watching the game, I, I saw that you know there's kind of a little meeting on the minds where it's the it's three referees. Bob Clark and you. So I guess my question to you is: hey, What was the reaction from you guys when these guys were leaving the ice? And what was what was kind of the discussion there with the referees as far as you know what they were saying? The explanation from the Russians were as far as why they were leaving. Well, honestly,
1: what I was out there on the ice when it happened, and and, uh, and uh, I thought it was kind of strange. I looked over their bench. And I see their coach waving to their players that were on the ice and they come to the bench. And next thing you know, I see them walking off the ice, going up the tunnel. And uh, I said, to myself, Geez, I wonder if we're going to continue this game or not. But the game was on national television all over the world is watched by 300 million people. I had uh, in-laws that lived in Stuttgart, Germany, and they never watched a hockey game in their life. And they watched it in Germany for God's sake. And then, you know, uh, they say in Russia there's 150 million people in Russia alone watch that game. Uh, so it meant a lot to, to all of us and, and, uh, but the, the system that Bernie devised, uh, to play against them was, was equal to the best. I mean, he said, boys, this is the way we're going to play them and this is the way we're going to beat them. And I'll never, never forget when we won our first Stanley Cup against Boston. We hadn't beaten Boston in seven years. And Freddie made a statement, he says, this is anti we just beat a better team to get the finals, which we beat the Rangers that year, go to the finals against Boston. he says, this is anti we just better beat a better team to get the finals and we're going to play for the finals. And I read that in the Boston Globe. I said, Freddie, how can you make a statement like that? He says, well, we're going to get them thinking, we're not going to show any respect for them, we're going to go out there and be physical with them and everything else, and that's the way it's going to be, and if they like it, fine, if they don't like it, well, that's fine too. And I think that, Birdie wanted the same style against uh, against uh, the Russians. Uh, like I said, he wanted us up at center ice and try to break the plays up before they got going. And and if you watch that opening face-off, the Russians got the puck, and they must have made 20 passes between them. <laughs> we stood there and watched them. Right. stood there and watched them, and finally it got to the point where the Russians started shooting the puck in our zone uh, because they couldn't penetrate the blue line. And uh, and that that played right into our hand because that means they didn't come into our end with control of the puck. So then it was for us to get the puck out of there. Bertie used to always say, the least amount of time when we spend our own zone, the better off we're going to be because that means the team's not going to get chances and shots at our goalies and so on and so forth. So we got to get the puck out quickly. And, uh, and we caught them off stride a number of times in the game. I mean, if you look at the game, and uh see all the chances that we had i mean my god almighty we could have but eddie van if you talk about eddie van if eddie eddie come out of the family box and made a beeline for carmeloff it wasn't that wasn't that bad of a hit but boy they they played it up as a big tough hit and everything else and right. they were just looking for a way to get out of the out of, out of the game and they weren't interested in playing the game so obviously all that stuff played into our hands but uh but they, they were skilled, man. They had a lot of... Karmelov, I thought Karmelov was the best Russian player uh, in the world at the time. Maybe the best player in the world, you know? Right. Uh, because if you look, if you look at 1972 and when the Russians and Canada had that Super Series in Canada, they had four in Canada and they had four in Russia. And Karmelov was their best player. And I remember <clears throat> Harry in the first game in Russia, fifth game in the series... Came in the dressing room and, and told the players listen. If we don't get Carmeloff, we're not going to win this series. And Clarky said, "I'll take care of him." And, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you watched that, but Clarky, Clarky was out at about eight, nine minute mark of the first period. He, he two handed him right across the ankle, broke his ankle, and that
0: was it. <laughs> all fair, all fair, love and war, Mark. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I thought, oh, it, my I, God. I thought it was funny. I watched the uh, the HBO documentary uh, on the Broad Street Bullies and. Edvan yep. when they were talking about this game, Ed Van Im's quote was, uh, "He ran into my elbow with his chin." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talking about Karlov, and I think I <laughs> it's just it, it's funny to see you know just the different mindset in players. Like if a guy says that now, you know he's probably crucified for it. But you know we're yeah. we're here you know talking about it and laughing about <laughs> it. It's just it's pretty funny. So. The Russians leave the ice for 15 minutes, and we know kind of the classic thing: they're, you know, in the dressing room or whatever. And I'm sure there's a bunch of arguing going back and forth. And Ed Snyder eventually comes and says, "Well, tell them if they don't play, then we're not going to pay them." So yeah. they they come back on. 17 seconds later, Reggie Leach ends up scoring, uh, breaking the uh, 0-0 tie. Flyers jump to a one nothing lead. So and in watching it, the, 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 spectrum erupted. I mean, this is, yep. this is, yep. this is the height of the cold war. This is, you know, on American soil. This is, uh, America's bicentennial that year in 76. So as far as goals and things that you've seen, where, where does that goal rank as far as reaction from the spectrum crowd?
1: Well, you know what, uh, that, that, you know, I don't know if you remember Reggie. Reggie, one year, he got in the playoffs. For, I think we played Boston in the
2: playoff one year, and he got five goals in one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we broke the ice
1: and scored that first goal, we were on our way, and then McLeish scores uh, shortly after that. I remember the defense was trying to get, trying to catch McLeish, and, and Dornhopper got in his way and made the guy go around him. Great and McLeish, play. being as fast as he is, he knew what he was going to do, and he shot the puck high in the corner over the glove side. And... uh and uh but uh, you know what the building erupted. I think the loudest I've ever heard the building in the spectrum was in, was uh, when the Flyers played uh, Wash or uh, Edmonton. Yeah. And JJ J. Daniels scored a goal about five minutes ago in the the game in the playoffs. And I don't I don't
0: know who's I don't know when it was nineteen nineteen ninety or something like that or whatever I think it was, was eighty seven eighty seven and that was the
1: loudest I think I've ever heard the spectrum. Even though we played some games there and I've heard some loud roars in our building, I think the loudest I've ever heard that was J.J. J. Daniels scored that goal against Edmonton. That means the seventh game it was going to be back in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And uh but you know, it ranks right up there with Reggie Lee scoring that goal and uh and uh Just every time we scored a goal, or we had a great chance, the building would erupt. And I remember coming into the game that day, and uh, there were a lot of people outside. They were creating all kinds of problems. They didn't want the game to be played, and and, uh, there were forces out there trying to prevent people from coming to the game. Oh, my God. And there were a lot of dissidents from Russia that were complaining about the Russian lifestyle they have over in Russia there. And, uh, uh,. but you know what? It was, uh, is like I said, very gratifying for ourselves to win that game, and and uh, and I remember going out after the game, and uh, and <laughs> we went into Philly, a bunch of us, and with our wives, and uh, we had a big party in this restaurant till five in the morning,
2: <laughs> 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 and,
1: and I had my Russian Cossack hat. We're out there trying to do the Russian Cossack dance, and see. love God. it.
2: That's Oh great.
1: boy, it was funny it was funny, oh boy, yeah, those are great days, and nice to relive those days every once in a while, yeah,
0: so yeah, yeah. two forty four into the second period, um is probably what's well, one of the biggest moments in the game, really, and I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you, but two forty four into the second uh you guys are on a you guys are killing off a penalty, and you end up scoring what is. To that point, the the first the short-handed goal and ends up being the only short-handed goal in that super series, and it was off a of, you know Don Czylowski made the shot and it kicked off uh, Trediak's. Trediak. Yeah, yeah, he kicked off him, and then you make making a goal scorers play on <laughs> on the uh, penalty kill, rushing the net and 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 you know kind of kicking it in off off the uh, rebound. So, what do you remember about that play, and what kind of sparked in your mind that said? damn it I'm just going to crash the net and see what happens <laughs> well you know
1: what when, when, when the play started from our zone I remember Tommy Bladen had the puck and he gave a uh, gave a pass to Kitterchuk at center ice and then Kitterchuk gave a pass to Seleski and he goes down the right wing and then there's nobody I'm going up the eight but nobody paying attention to me because they knew I wasn't a threat anyway. so nobody paid attention to me until Seleski so shoots the puck low and if he had a shot it up high, Trecek would have blocked the shot or, or caught it with his glove. But he shot it up low for a rebound, and I just happened to be in the right position at the right time where the puck squirted to me, and I was about 10 feet from the net, and I, I backhanded it quickly me right between his legs and went in the net. And, of course, <clears throat> you know, very excitable. And uh, and uh so I tried to jump in the air. Well, obviously, it goes to show you a white man can't jump very high, because <laughs> I couldn't jump at all. But in a way, I was... uh it was very exciting for myself, and when I look back at that game, I've watched it a couple <laughs> times where I had chance to score a couple more goals in that game, and both times I shot him right off his shoulder.
0: Yeah, you were yeah, you were buzzing else. in that game for sure.
1: Uh, yeah, I had chances to score more, Chad, but you know what? I shot him right off his shoulder. I didn't have the wrist shot like McLeish had, so mm-hmm. I tried to do the same thing, but I got him on the shoulder twice. Right. Uh, but uh, you're right. It was it was one of the highlights of my career, the winning the first Stanley Cup. And, and then us beating the Russians and then our second Stanley Cup and when we won our second Stanley Cup we were cocky enough and we knew we were good enough we were going to win again of course the third year we played Montreal and we had so many injuries we just didn't have enough guys to compete against Montreal and they beat us but that goal stands right up there uh, second to uh, second to win the first Stanley Cup wow. and of course I was the last guy to touch the puck in 1974 in our zone when we, had, when we won our first Stanley Cup and uh and the only thing I regret, I never pick up the puck. Terry Chris picked up the puck off the bench and, uh, he has the puck today and that's one thing I could have, I should should have had and never thought of grabbing it. Cause I was the last guy to touch the damn thing. But, right. Um, uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there.
0: Do you have the, uh, so. do you have the puck from the, from this game that you scored?
1: No. No, oh. I don't have that either. No, oh, wow. I don't, I don't have that either. No.
0: Oh, that's a no. shame. So. Yeah i mean we a couple more here so yeah eventually uh the red army you know being who they are they get one back in the second and but it's, it's yep. really just not enough i mean you guys just dominate them from start to finish larry good enough one of the greatest names in hockey history ends up getting one in <laughs> the third right. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. he he gets one in the third four one that's what you guys end up to go on to win uh 49 shots to 13 is just remarkable. I mean, the people listening that aren't old enough to, to know, you know, kind of how you can't undersell how good this Russian team was. I mean, this, these guys were the elite of the elite and you guys just dominated them and made them look like a minor league team. And after the game, and you even said it yourself, Gary Dornhofer said, you know, if it wasn't for Tretiak, you guys would have had double digit goals. And that's, Pretty much. I mean, that's probably the case. If you're playing any other goalie, that's probably the case. I mean, he was might have been the best goalie in the world at the time. So once the game's over, you guys are in the locker room, you're partying. I'm sure, you know, what's that scene look like? I'm sure that the media is probably at least doubled from what it would be at a normal game, even a playoff game. You know, what what is the scene in the locker room? I'm imagining just pandemonium, you know, beers flying champagne, maybe, you know, just the whole nine champagne little bit of champagne
1: <laughs> we had everything we had everything that day <laughs> yeah uh you know obviously freddie like a freddie used to always come in and say something after a game when we it was an important game and he and and i mentioned what he said to me or he said to the team and of course it was directed towards me and uh and uh uh but we enjoyed bubbleu. We had a lot of Louis that day, and then we went out and party that night. And next day, we oh, were all hung over. And then I remember we had a we had to go to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. We had to play a game in Kansas City on Tuesday or Wednesday. So we go to Kansas City. Now, uh, Clarkie and I are walking around in the store, and somebody comes up and says to us, "Congratulations on the win against the Russians." And I looked and says the hell
2: with kansas city
1: <laughs> who the hell is kansas city is a big flyer fan we weren't we didn't have fans we had a lot of fans that hated us but not liked us for god's sake
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of hockey fans i should say but here we're in kansas city at a department store and some guy comes up and congratulates us on beating the russians in 1976 wow. and that was two days after the game i couldn't believe it that people remembered and watched the game i guess so obviously it, it just made an impact throughout hockey in, uh, in North America, and if not the world too, because like I said, we got letters from all over the world about tragic, congratulating us on on beating the Soviet Red Army team.
0: Yeah, I mean it's yeah. really this whole story is 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 remarkable that you know this era in Flyers hockey is just it's insane what you guys were able to do in you know that whole time and you know you're over you're you're talking about it kind of affected the hockey world worldwide and it definitely did. I I saw a quote from. Tim Burke of the Montreal Gazette, he wrote at the time, the Flyers salvaged Canada's pride in her nation's sport with a near-perfect hockey masterpiece. Now, this is, you know, Montreal is, you know, hockey is religion in Montreal, and he called what you guys did a hockey masterpiece, whereas, you know, probably a month before, he was probably saying nothing but bad things about the way you're playing hockey compared to the almighty uh, Canadians. So, I mean... Were you guys, you guys had to be on cloud nine. I mean, did you feel vindicated that, you know, people were finally giving you the praise that you deserve? Or was it still kind of a, you know, it's an us against the world mentality and we don't care whether they like us or hate us. We're just going to play our game the same way, no matter what. Yeah. You know what? Uh, We even got
1: letters from, I know my hometown and. in, uh, British Columbia. We got a big telegram from them before the game. We had we had a lot of telegrams from people all over North America, wishing us good luck in this game. And I remember my hometown. There had to be about 300 people signed this uh, signed this telegram uh, that uh, you know to good luck in the game and so on and so forth. And and, uh, there was a lot of that stuff going on at the time. Uh, Like I say, we were not well liked, but wherever we went, wherever we went in the league. The buildings were all sold out. Everybody wanted to see the Broad Street Bullies play. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter where we go. We used to go to L.A. and Oakland. Oakland might have four or 5,000 people building. The flyer showed up. It was, it was I think it was the old Oakland Coliseum uh, rink, and uh, there was only 12,500 seats in there. But every seat was sold. It's the same with when we went to L.A. I remember meeting a lot of movie stars. Uh, that were in the movie business, and uh, they want to come in the dressing room, meet the guys, nothing else outside the dressing room. And, and uh, I met a I met Lauren Green, who was in Bonanza. You ever heard of Bonanza? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I met Lauren Green. He's a guy from Winnipeg, and he he was very excited just to just to meet. I was very excited to meet him, and he was just as excited to meet us. And uh, you know, because uh, we had beat the Russians, he watched that game very closely. He said, and uh, he was uh, all excited that. Uh, to meet us and uh, we were just excited to meet him but we met so many people that uh, although they didn't like our style of play they 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 somewhat supported us because <clears throat> you know the way, way the way our work ethic was it's a uh, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and, and uh like i said you know i got a hundred dollars in my pocket you got a hundred dollars in your pocket i'm trying to extract the same thing you're trying to do to me so mm-hmm. made the best man win and that was our mentality right. that's just the mentality we had you know and uh and, uh, so that was very, uh, we were very excited. We we're very excited. And and I think back today, you know, Christ, that's 40 some years ago, 40, you know, 40, 45 years ago, 46, yeah, 45 years ago. Wow. And I can remember it very vividly in my mind, what took place the whole day. Uh, you know, we had people out, like I said, we had people outside the building and, uh, uh, they were they were upset about this game being played and didn't like the Russians and they're trying to prevent the game from being played and all this other stuff it was kind of crazy. But but uh, when I think back of it, it's one of the highlights of my career was winning the game, winning the first Stanley Cup, and obviously and then beating the Russians in '76. Well, wow.
0: um, so the, my last question here is it's not really related to this game, but I think it's it's kind of lost on people. I think that you know everybody knows. Flyers went back-to-back Stanley Cup, 74 and 75. But what a lot of probably younger fans may not know is 76, you guys went back to the finals. And you, right. you obviously ran ran into a juggernaut that, is, that was the Montreal Canadiens at the time. And, right. you know, you know yep. the players. So I guess one of the biggest what-ifs ever in Philadelphia sports is if, you know, you guys had a ton of injuries, but probably the most important and the biggest was to Bernie Perrant. Do you right. think Absolutely that right. do you think that if he's healthy in 76 that you guys end up winning your third straight that year?
1: Well, i tell you what, we didn't have McLeish. uh he got hurt in February, so we didn't have McLeish for the whole playoffs. And Bernie got hurt in our warm-ups in the first game uh in the playoffs that year. Uh uh he got hurt in warm-up and uh never recovered from it and uh if you look at those games against Montreal uh, we took an early lead in that game and I think we were up 2 nothing or 3 nothing or 3-1 or something like that and then Montreal kept on pecking away and then I remember uh, we had Wayne Stevenson as our goalie and uh, I remember Gila Point scored a goal from uh, just just on the boards of the hash marks uh, circle and it went right along the ice I could not believe the puck went in and I just, holy Jesus so we lose the first game 4-3 the second one Lefleur scores from the blue line on a, a slap shot that uh, Steph didn't pick up, and now we're down two nothing. Then we come back to Philly and and uh, we lose three two. And there's a guy named Pierre Bouchard hadn't scored a goal all friggin' year, <laughs> hadn't scored a goal all year. And I think he gets the game winner on that game, and we lose three two. And then the last game, to lose five three. Uh, they got an open net goal of make it five three. But I honestly feel if we had had better goaltending. And, uh, and we had McLeish. We would have made it a, a tougher series for Montreal, even yeah. though they were a great team at the time and they could skate with like nobody's, nobody's business. And, and we, we didn't skate as well as them, but the system we played was very difficult to beat our system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I think if we had better goaltending, you're absolutely right. It could have made it a very difficult uh, situation for Montreal. We would have once engaged in that series. And, uh, as it turned out, we, uh, we didn't and, uh, and uh, I remember uh uh after we got in the finals start of the finals, uh <clears throat> I told my wife at the time, I said, Listen, why don't we make arrangements to go to Aruba after we, after the the finals was Stanley Cup and club. we get beat four straight and I told her, Cancel a trip to Aruba, we're not going a man, <laughs> my god. That was that didn't go over very well <laughs> for a long, long time. Holy God! <laughs> oh, that's great. I said, I said, uh, trips are for winners, not losers, and we're losing. We're not going anyplace. Yeah, it's training time. And she held out against me for a while. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, well, Joe, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I honestly can't thank you enough. Not only for doing this, but just for you know what, what you and your teammates were able to do in what really is the glory days and the golden era of Flyers hockey. I mean, yeah, you, you know what yeah. you were. I mean, obviously, I'm 28, so I wasn't around for this, but yeah. for, just yeah. on behalf of like my father and grandfather and mother, just for the stuff you were able to, the joy you were able to bring to them when they were youngsters, I, I can't thank you enough for it. Oh, isn't that nice? That, that, that makes
2: me feel good, Mark. I really appreciate that. Yeah.
0: You know what? I want to tell
1: you something before we hang up here. You know, We've been to Europe nine, nine, ten times, our alumni team, and uh, every time we go to Europe, Mr. Statter used to always say, Joe, if you see people wearing flyer jerseys, let me know because that means I've done something right. And when we went to Russia here uh, three, four years ago, it uh, uh, did not matter what town we were in, I saw people wearing flyer jerseys. And wherever we played, we sold out the buildings in, in, in Russia. Sold, sold the buildings, sold the buildings right out. It was a crazy. And we played in Red Square, and you know they have five thousand seats there. In Red Square there. It's an outdoor ranking. And it was just packed with people. And people with flyer jerseys. These wow. are Russian people in Russia having flyer jerseys. So unfortunately, I couldn't tell Mr. Snyder because he passed away here. Uh, he passed away about eight months before we went over there.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but it doesn't matter where we've gone, Mark. And, and we've been to Sweden, Finland, uh, Italy, uh, Russia, obviously, uh, Norway. Uh, and uh, and uh, wherever we've gone, we've seen flyer. People wear flyer jerseys, so the flyers are are well known and and uh, and throughout the world, uh, the hockey world. They really are.
0: Yeah. Well, again, can't thank you enough for doing this. And I told Bob Kelly this when when I interviewed him for this that if I ever happen to see him out in public, that I'm going to buy him a beer. So I'm going to add you to that. <laughs> I'm going to add you to that list too. If I ever see you, you you're getting a beer yeah. as many as you want. It's on me. Oh, uh, Mark, thanks
1: very much for the time, and I uh, enjoyed it, okay? You take care. Good luck, okay?
0: Yeah, you too. Enjoy retirement. Say hi to your parents
1: and, you, and, and your grandfather, too. They're flyer fans,
0: yeah. I will. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Yeah. Bye. You know, let me just say this. I, I've had the opportunity to meet and speak with a small handful of flyers from the, from those 70s teams, you know, the, the golden years, as I call them, 74, 75, 76, everywhere in there. I've had I've had a chance to, to meet or or in this case interview a small handful of those guys and I can honestly say to a man every one of them that I've ever met or, or spoken to ha- could not have been nicer guys if you ever have a chance I know it could be intimidating you know to sometimes see uh, a person with a certain level of celebrity whether it be local or national or whatever to see them kind of out in public and and, and approach them and I'm not saying if you see them in line at, like, ShopRite to go up and, and pester them, but, you know, if you see them at a game, if you see them, you know, at a Flyers-centric event or or something along those lines, uh, you know, I, I I would really encourage you to go up and, and talk to them, take a couple minutes, you know, they're, the, everybody, like I said, everyone that I've ever met has been very gracious, very kind, very welcoming to where, you know, they it seems like they want to talk to you as much as you want to talk to them, and again, everyone that I've met or spoken to loves to go kind of back in time and talk about those days of, you know, when the Flyers were on top of the hockey world. And again, can't thank Joe Watson enough for coming on and giving me, you know, a good half hour, solid half hour, 45 minutes and tell some stories that I'd never heard before. And I'm sure a lot of people listening have probably never heard before. You know, if you're a younger fan, Again, I recommend that you go on you can probably find it on Amazon or really anywhere. I'm sure it's it's not a hard box set to find of the Flyers 10 greatest games and this was this was released. I'm pretty sure I can't remember if it was the 40th or 50th anniversary. I think it was the 40th that they came out with this box set. And you know, every when, when last year when when COVID took the the season away for a little bit, that's what i found myself doing going back and rewatching some of these 10 games you know more of the modern ones i would say that's you know the games that i kind of grew up watching and stuff like that but it's it's good if you're a younger fan or if you're a parent that wants to teach your child about you know the the better days the the greatest days in Flyers history it's one thing to talk about it it's another thing entirely to actually show them show them the difference not only in the game the way the game was presented on television but the the way the game was just played and how different it is to now i mean the biggest thing is players with no helmets obviously but just just how physical the game of hockey once was in in those days and how they got away with you know next to every next to anything and compared to today where the the slightest tap on the hands or on the stick gets you 2 minutes for for one reason or another so you know, it's just great, and that's why I do these episodes, because I want to kind of dive into, I'm a guy that likes the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, I like, in places and and events that I wasn't there live, I like to get the kind of behind-the-scene, what was going on, you know, what was going on when when the Russians went back to the tunnel, and what was, you know, what was the feel in the crowd, I like to... I like to hear stories about, you know, feel the crowd and kind of reactions to players on the ice and stuff like that. Just It really puts me in the game, and that's why I do these, and I, again, can't thank Joe Watson enough and Bob Kelly for for doing the first one on the 74 Cup win, and... You know, if you guys want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can at MarkFlagman two ends. And if there's a specific game that you have in mind that you want to hear more about or just, you know, revisit in one way, shape, or form, you know, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open and you know, I'll see what I can do about getting different guests on for the biggest games. You know, it's not easy for, you know, kind of just a virtual unknown like me to to reach out to these guys and you know so far, I'm two for two, and you know guys willing to do it, and just having great interviews, you know guys that aren't gonna go on there and just kind of bullshit through it you know they it actually seems like they want to tell the stories they want to teach a younger generation about what it was like in those days what you know i you really can't stress enough in in today's in today's climate, I guess you would say sports climate in philadelphia where it's the eagles and then it's really just everybody else i would say the second team in the city overall as far as widely accepted and widely supported would be the phillies and then it's kind of the the sixers and flyers you know you get for whatever reason there's always been a division amongst those two fan bases you know you do have people like me that support them both but for whatever reason there's always been a just kind of you're either a sixers or a flyers fan so it's, a, it's it's kind of interesting to go back in time to the 70s where the Eagles were bad, the Phillies were bad, the Sixers were just starting to to kind of uprise a little bit, the Phillies the same, and or maybe I said they were bad. Somebody was bad. But the Flyers were just year after year, they were in the conversation for winning championships, and it was that small cluster of years, the 74, 75, 76, where they won the back-to-backs, and then 76, they went to the finals against Montreal. But even... Through the rest of the 70s and through a large part of the 80s, the Flyers were always in the conversation for the Stanley Cup. Obviously, they went maybe, what was it, three or four times. They went to the finals in the 80s, couldn't get another one. But the Flyers were the Flyers were hot. They were hot in the city. They were hot in the sport. And I just like to, uh, I, I like it for me. You know, this is all selfish. I like it for me to kind of go back and just talk to these guys. I'd get a feel for what it was like back then when the Flyers were legitimate rock stars in Philadelphia and it wasn't like now where you know when the Eagles won the Super Bowl they were they were hot shit and they still are for that but it wasn't in the 70s it was you know you could go into a local bar in in Philly and have a chance to see these guys and converse with them and hang out with them whereas now Everybody has, you know, entourages and security with them at all times and stuff like that. It's it's not as personable to see them out in public as it was back in the day where you could just walk right up to them, buy them a beer or hand it to them. And it wasn't it wasn't taboo. It wasn't weird. It wasn't taken with, you know, nowadays it would probably be taken like, all right, I don't know you. I don't know what you could have put in this. There wasn't any of that back then. It was just everybody loved everybody and everybody was happy to see everybody and you know it's a little colder now to between there's more of a hard line set between fans and athletes where there wasn't before so hope everybody enjoyed this episode and coming up on thursday we're gonna dive right back into the the current team and their goings on and hopefully between now monday and then thursday the flyers will have made a trade to make a significant improvement to this team or do they even need to I'll get into that Thursday as well if nothing has been done. So, again, you can follow me on Twitter at MarkFlagman2Ns. Follow the show at underscore getting bullied. Get this and every episode of Getting Bullied through the Hockey Podcast Network. They are at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. So until I talk to you again on Thursday, everybody enjoy your life, and let's go Flyers.